Welcome to Through the Lens of Christ, a podcast designed to have conversation about things that are happening in culture, questions that we may have theologically, um, and other questions that impact our day in and day out lives. Our desire is to be able to build these conversations and to be able to get us to critically think, not just about the events that are happening, but how do we see these events through the lens of Christ. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and I hope it helps you to critically think through issues in our lives. Well, hello again, Steve. Hello, Adam. Uh, I'm Adam Baker, here with Steve Douster. Ashley Vorwick is producing as per usual. Um, And we're going to have a conversation about... uh, you know, we use a lot of words in these conversations. This this, this uh, podcast is full of words. Um, and <laughs> we're, we're going to be talking about how words matter and about how um, there's there's an article that Trevin Wax wrote, which the really his, his purpose was that um, not just what we say matters, but what people hear. And we've got to be uh, understanding of that. And a couple other articles that Ashley will link to as well, really talking about what do people think about Christianity right now. Um, again, I link that to what we say matters because it's how people hear us. And so, and then um, also an, an article regarding um, the idea of, uh, culture and faith and that integration and how do we a lot of people are talking about deconstructing our faith and what we're really talking about is not that I want to walk away from my faith but that I need to really understand it better and so we're really saying we need to be I think the word the the writer uses is disenculturated yeah. um, rather than um, uh, deconstructing our faith so really just want to have a conversation about how our words matter things that we say um, and again for for myself uh, as a, a teacher, for Steve as a, as a teacher, the idea that we have a lot of things rattling around in our heads to say, and we can leave a conversation and have people hearing something entirely different than what was intended, and we need to be careful about that. Yeah, for sure. And I just thought it was it's interesting the way we find topics often is just by finding an article that kind of piques our interest, and we kind of just pull it together and talk about it, so just as an aside. but um, But yeah, so... That's a challenging thing. I think about having a conversation with someone. What I should really think about first is not what I want to say and how I want to say it, but to think about the other person first and who they are and kind of where they are and how they're thinking so that I can construct um, a conversation or construct speech in a way that they might understand it better. If that's what we're trying to do is to right. have a conversation. Yeah. Um, hopefully they're doing the same thing for, for me but I think oftentimes we just don't do that. We just walk up and just start naturally spitting out words that come to us, um, not really th- being very thoughtful of the perhaps the one person we're talking to, but just thinking about if we're teaching six or 12 or, or a congregation of a yep. couple hundred, there's a lot going on out there. Yep. So how do we start and where do we, where, how do we construct or think about our speech so that the majority of the people can get something out of our message? Yeah, and I think I, I know for you know to personalize a lot of this, but I, I think about okay, this is this is what I want to say. So the scripture is speaking to me. I I'm convicted in some way, and I want to bring that point across. And so it's it's very a a self focus. Like okay, this is what I heard. This is what I'm feeling, and now I've got to pray that this is what God wants me to say. But often I don't get to the point of what did they just hear until I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Are they understanding <laughs> what I'm saying? Right? Or right? Uh, yeah, you know, you're reading the eyes and body language and you're like I don't think that landed the way I expected it to and um but it is we have to step back and 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 some of it's easy I think of the the example used in the article was about what does it mean to have an abundant life um that's something from a biblical perspective that 
now I think you and I are aligned on what it means to have an abundant life. We're talking about a life in Christ and we're talking about being filled with who he is. And um, that from a perspective of abundancy, meaning that he's our full sufficiency. But if I tell somebody that, you know, uh, believe in Christ and you'll have an abundant life. Right. What does that mean? Right. It could mean material wealth. It could be peace and contentment in this life. Um, you know, in, in the, so, so that goes to the point of culture, right? And where, how culture has influenced every one of us to see things in a cultural way. So we think of, I think we first naturally, as natural men um, outside of Christ, just kind of gravitate toward what the culture thinks of that word and what that means. And it could be a very different thing. So it could be that we give a happy message of being about being um, you know, in Christ and having an abundant life in Christ, we think it's a positive message that's based on Scripture. And the person in the in the pew or the person in the classroom or who we're talking to on the street or whatever is going, oh, I've got this picture in my mind of what the abundant life looks like. If Jesus will do that for me, then he's what I want. And that might not be even a saving thought, right. not, not a thought that's in line with the gospel at all, even though we presented the gospel in a very clear way or or. Christ benefit in a very very clear way or what Christ would have us do. So um, I think it's a real challenge, and it gets even more challenging the deeper we're all immersed in culture and then, well, our own individual culture, and let alone the person we're trying to communicate with. Um, and also by multiplying people in the conversation, it makes it makes it very difficult to get very far with, yeah. with a message or a teaching the more the, the more people we have unless they're very similar yes yes and yeah the idea that that it's a lot of it's cultural right mm-hmm. what we hear and what we think and we can use a word from scripture that is 2000 plus years old and it could have meant something different then and it means something to our ears something different today so how do we really understand what people are are hearing i actually just um today i had to you know diversity and inclusion in the workplace is such a such a big deal and so i had to take a, a survey today so that in i think in three days I get a follow-up meeting on wh- how I'm handling culture and that sounds uh, very exciting super in a corporate environment super super exciting mm-hmm. and um, but I, it was interesting because again as they're asking a bunch of questions there's uh, 50 questions or something that you got to answer but it's things like um, you know do do you think that in your culture that that your culture is more worried about advancement than other cultures. Do you, and it doesn't really define your culture. It doesn't define other cultures. And it says things like, you know, do you, do you try to learn from other cultures? Do you believe when you're speaking to another culture that you're adapting to that culture? Do you try to hear um, what you're saying through that culture's perspective? And so it's not just, it's kind of what we're talking about. And now they're doing it completely secularly and completely from a different point of view. In fact, um, a lot of it is around general humanity, right? That all, all of us, do we believe that all of humanity is, uh, you know, they didn't use these words, but basically inherently good, and therefore we should all be striving together for humanity, right? And I'm like, right. oh, this is going to be a really interesting follow-up meeting that I have to have with somebody on this. But the, but the the point is, is that e- even in culture, like outside of the, the church world, we have to understand what we're saying to people. Yeah. And if it's important enough for us to go, man, I should really be careful about how I say something to somebody at the workplace because they might get offended because I don't understand their background or I, I don't know how they're going to hear it. How much more important is it in a in a church setting from a gospel perspective that we be vitally careful? Because it's one thing for me to offend somebody at work and potentially even lose my job because I said the wrong thing and somebody got offended. It's another that I can lead somebody from the very gates of heaven because the what I'm speaking. 
Yeah, so it seems like there's a number of things we have to focus on. I mean, we have to understand where we're coming from culturally. We have to understand the gospel and what's what's true in Scripture and how we think we should we would how we think we understand it ourselves and how we might communicate it even to ourselves, just so that we can understand it back and forth between this Holy Spirit and the Scripture. We have to understand the culture that's outside of us that other people are involved in and also the people that are there. There's many things yes. to consider. We have yep. to really understand all of those things, I think, and probably more that I haven't thought of, in order to craft the message that can be heard, received, and understood. Yeah. And um, I don't remember which article it was in. I think it was in the Hunter Beaumont article, but I could very much be wrong. But he talked about um, how he looks at the, the gospel message as a, a kernel of corn. Yeah. And that it's the there's an outer husk and then there's the inner core and that he, he referred to the outer husk as the preacher's voice and the the inner kernel as the gospel. And I thought it was well said. Right. Then I think the words he used is that I, I need to hear past the preacher's voice. I need to get past the husk so I can actually gain what's true. Yes. And, um, you know, you don't. As pastors, you often think about yourself as the provider of the gospel message when really often I think we're barriers to the gospel message. And, you know, we're all flawed. Whatever we're sharing comes through my brain, comes through a perfected Holy Spirit who is teaching me something Mm -hmm. and then gets filtered through this mess of a man and then brought out through this mess of a mouth and is communicated poorly. No matter how great that the communication is, it's still not perfect. And uh, so that was... Uh, to me, it was a really good piece of information because I find myself listening that way often is that I, I don't want to hear what that person's saying. I want to hear, I want to take the words, I want to understand them through scripture, and then I want to figure out what they mean to me. And if I'm hearing you, you just want to get out of the way, yeah. right? Just get me out of the way and make me invisible so that you can see clearly what God has to say to you. So really, yeah. that's that's what we're looking yeah. for. Thank, I'm thinking that, that I like that picture that, that's represented, that, that kernel of the gospel truth in the middle with the husk around it. Each one of us carries that with us and presents it in a way in, in our own culture. And But what we really need to try to do is understand the gospel for what it is without cultural connotations, if we can, and then build a, build a husk around it that's, that's the culture that will allow it to move into, this is part of the article too, I think, yeah. to move into someone else's life so it can be understood. So that gospel kernel should be something that connects multiple cultures, multiple situations, all peoples, and each one of us has built a husk around it for our own understanding um, in our culture. But we also need to deconstruct that and rebuild it so that other people can have the right husk so that gospel message can be implanted into their culture. Is that yeah. a way to and, say that? And, it, and it's a nearly impossible task because on the other yeah. side, you've got, like, if, if we try to, like, even in church, we're trying to figure out how to do that, right? We're trying to figure right. out how do we talk to the community differently? How do we build relationships? How do we begin to have spiritual conversations, whether in the church or outside of the church? And But, you know, for established church people. And I, if I weren't in all of the conversations, I might hear it this way that, well, I I think we're trying to be seeker sensitive. I think we're just trying to go out and we're just trying to grow a church. I think we're just, because that's the other side that even as believers, we hear things critically. And it's like, how do you, how do you say something in a way that the, the strong believing core of the church hears it correctly? How do you say something in a way that also the seeking person hears it correctly and also the complete unbelie- unbeliever who's lost hears it correctly? How do you combine all of that communication in a way, to your point, how do you build that husk that that is is not a barrier to receiving the, the kernel? 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I actually it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. That's what I would <laughs> right. say. So so right. yeah, to give up, then we'll yeah. give up. Just yes, you know. Keep going and doing right. what you're doing, and what we're all trying to do is is the yeah. thing. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's super important. I think we do it in different ways too. One of those articles had talked about, you know, deconstructing our own culture and understanding our own culture. So, thinking about our church setting, well, we do what you just said and build that husk around there for all people, hopefully that come in or many people that come in in a number of different ways. We do it in music. We do it in the, just the layout of the service. We do it in the sermon itself. We do it in the, I guess, the whole experience of walking in, having greeters and ushers and, and you know, worshiping through offering and all those things. Um, they all, I think, should be connected together into one kind of mosaic picture of the gospel. They're all telling the story in a different way, and hopefully they're all telling a great big story in one big way. I think the Roman Catholic Church does that, um, semi-well, um, although I think they obscure the gospel for different reasons. So so what I'm talking about in our own personal church setting, all of those things have the possibility to obscuring the gospel, obscuring the kernel for those that don't understand that culture. Yeah. And it's really easy for a evangelical church to have that when we're so distinct from the culture right now. Yeah. You get somebody walking in that doesn't have that evangelical sub subculture running, um, very difficult for them to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, I can even think, I mean, to be honest, I can even think, I know our church and many churches are this way as well. Um, a, a rendition of a song, you you almost have to be in the know on how to sing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's especially when there's no words or music, you, you have to. And it's, it's different from it's what you expect. It's kind of like there's a I don't know what would you say. You almost have to be in the club to discern or have the yeah. key to decode that. And so that's part of every church's subculture. And no one will fit that perfectly when they come in, and we're trying to get that message out in a mul- multiplicity of ways. Yeah, and and it helps if each of the providers of that message, so I think when you walk in, if the greeters, if they understand they're not fulfilling a role on a Sunday morning, but they're part of the husk, yeah. right, that they're trying to represent Christ in a way to the person who walks in that doesn't just say, yay for community church, right. but that actually says, man, we want to introduce you to somebody today who's really important. Right. And so from the greeter all the way throughout the service, that, that, that Spurgeon, that red thread, right, has to be woven all throughout everything that we're doing because there has to be purpose and intentionality in all of it. So that's super challenging because that means that everyone that's interacting needs to have that picture and that understanding of the gospel. They need to know the kernel because if they don't, they're going to misrepresent. It's going to be misrepresented, and that's a real challenge. I mean, I'm just thinking of a church our size with this number of volunteers or, or yeah. ministry helpers that are out there doing those things, um, and it's difficult to get just on a Sunday morning in in the worship service one shot a week, 52 times a year. Um, I just don't think you can do that well. And there's there's got to be other involvement in small group ministries, um, in other meetings, in other interactions with believers, whether it's church members or not, to be able to keep that focus. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we um, so the the article that we shared. So you shared it, and I had read it as prepping for the the message for this week. So when we hear this, it'll be removed from that message. But. Um, so hopefully it ties, but we're talking about being salt and light, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? Again, you use those words right. salt and light. Okay, I understand what that means to be salt and light. This could be a 30-second message. 
But what is it actually? That's what what in my brain where I was t- driving down this rabbit trail is that it's if I right now in culture, if I say as Christians, we need to be salt to the world mm-hmm. that no longer. Well, even if we use words like, well, we need to be uh, a flavoring. We need to be uh, uh, pre- preserving. We need to be a preservative. What does that mean? Does it mean that I need to bring the gospel of Christ, which is centered in truth and love and brings the fruits of the spirit and or is it that I've got to stand up and fight and go to war? Does it mean that I've got to be willing to be physically violent if needed? Does it like there's so many definitions of salt right now in people that that are professing Christians who are going to argue about what it even means to be salt. So, again, we're just in such a, a again, that goes back to culturally, we're in such yeah. a divided point in culture that we just want to fight about everything. Yeah. I mean, my, my nasty picture of that is like, so so you've got this cultural person um, that's outside the church, and you're going to be salt to that person, person, but but the salt that you have isn't able to penetrate the culture, so it just lays on top of them like a pile of salt. And it's yeah. like, well, that's not, I don't know what salt and life's supposed to mean. It ain't supposed to mean this <laughs> lump of salt laying on top of this thing, right? It's right. supposed to somehow permeate right. and, and mix in with that culture in an appropriate right. way so that it flavors it. So, so I've just to keep the metaphor going for the fun of it. So, so, so everything in this world has been given us to us by God. It has a good purpose. Yeah. And so, so that salt and that light that's to penetrate is to show the good purpose that God has in it and to transform it and redeem it for God, just like it should was in the beginning. If it can't permeate the outer husk and get inside, just lays on top, it tastes awful. It tastes like a pile of a big tongue full of salt. <laughs> right. It's just awful. Right. Yeah. That's that's yeah. not I don't I don't think that's what the flavoring is supposed to do. No, and, and and again, you know, there's the going back culturally, right? Salt meant flavoring and preservation. Sure. And so really it's about how do we keep culture from corrupting? How do we keep decay from happening? Right. How do we and and again, we know that truth is only found in Christ. It's not right. I I can't keep things from decaying. I can't keep things from being corrupted because I'm also decaying. I'm also corrupted. So we, if we're going to do that, it's got to, that salt's got to be Christ, and it can't be my version or image, which goes back to this bigger conversation about we better be having deeper spiritual conversations about really who Christ is and are we willing to grow as Christians in our knowledge of him. For sure, because because then then each one of us can be Christ to each other and other people so that it's Christ, his light, and his salt that's coming out of us that's being able to be permeated into something else yeah i mean we've got to be salting each other first we do right and we've Mm -hmm. got to be well seasoned so that we're prepared to go out and and do it um but again this this idea of of culture the idea of of how do we how do we ensure that we're we're separate from the culture because that's what we're called to be kind of beyond the culture right Mm -hmm. our citizenship is in heaven so we got to be beyond the culture be at understanding the culture yeah, we're in the world and not of it. Yep. So then we have to deal with all those things. Hey, what about what about the article about the Westboro Baptist Church? I'm super yeah. interested to talk about that because I saw. Yeah. I mean, I've seen those folks around, and that that uh, was a Colin Hansen article that talked about that. Yep. Um, that that's what the. I mean, I think the, just the sum of it is, you know, a lot of people think of the church as like people that are outside the church think of the church as. Oh yeah, you're you're just like those Westboro Baptist Church folks. Yes. Yeah, and if if you don't if you're not familiar with Westboro Baptist, so I think it's Kansas. I mean, um, it but they uh, it's he, a, by the way, it's a weirdo family situation too. <laughs> just I mean, 
cousins and <laughs> right. I'm well, just saying. That's what uh, I th- if you read the article, I think uh, Hansen refers to it as a, uh, a, a overgrown family cult, as I think how he refers I, to the church. I, and I think sense. that was being kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's but again, ton of press, a ton of visibility and, and media has used them. And, and I haven't heard much from them recently, but it became such a cultural uh, a lightning rod probably five to ten years ago. Yeah. And. They showed up at every rally. They, I'm surprised we haven't seen more of them through all the, the riots and everything today. But they showed up at every rally and just were just vile, right? And they, they did not represent Christ. But then the media latched onto that and said, this is a Christian. Right. And so what Hanson's talking about is when he goes out to speak to, to schools and he goes out to, to speak to people who really aren't brought up in an evangelical setting and says, what does that mean to you? They say, Westboro Baptist. That's frightening. It it is, and you know the other thing I think about that is, so so who, so the media, the culture, the, anybody that's outside the Christian, I'll just say the Christian community. Um, the, the interesting thing is, all you have to do is say I'm a Christian with nothing to back it up, and the media will say, especially if you do something crazy or wrong, that's a representation of a Christian. Right. So right. so you know I think a lot of these situations are people or churches that say they're Christian but they're not. Um, or they, or maybe they are in some very very limited sanctified way and and really shouldn't be should be humble enough not to be doing some of the things that they're doing. Right. So one, once again, it's a it's a it's a failure of the church. Yep. Um, and it's a failure um, of the church to actually put forward the actual church, yep. and it's putting forward or the media is drawing out um, a false church and false believers. I think oftentimes in those situations, I'm pretty sad about that. That that that's really damaging to Christ. And so it also means that we as a church, I think, need to do better um, at figuring out who the church is in our local churches and, and having those voices and those folks speak, speak Christ into the lives of others. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about, about the husk. Right? We've, we've got the wrong husk right now, and, and partly because culture has chosen which husk to put on the, the kernel. Right. Yeah. They've they've said, we don't want to see what's that. And and scripturally, it says that we're going to be blind to it and we're going to reject it. and We don't want to see it. So in order to not see what's right in front of us, Romans once has been in front of us the whole time and we've rejected it. Right. So in order to not see it, we cover it up. Yeah. Right. We, we just want to wrap it around with other things and say it's really bad and horrible and awful. And there you go. Mm-hmm. And so we to your point, we have to do a better job. And, and that's got to be both internal. Right. We have to disciple. We have to have stronger spiritual growth. We have to have groups that do more than just get together and, and talk about problems in life. We have to, not that that's not important, mm-hmm. but we have to do more than just be self-focused. We have to be Christ-focused. And how do we get into that conversation? How do we do that in the community? We've got to show a loving arm to the community. We have to show not so much about what we're against, but what we're for. And if we would begin to have more of those conversations around there's not a person in the church there's not a person in the community that doesn't need christ more and so we have to prove that out ourselves well i think all those things yeah just you listed a whole bunch of things to do and a lot of those things so thinking of a person that we're talking to some people might think i really need to get my own personal effort involved mm-hmm. and make those things happen um, which is not what you're saying yeah. um, what, what you're saying is other people need to see christ in the way that other people the way to get that to happen is for me to see Christ. Right. And then those other things that you just mentioned are able to happen. Yep. Right. So it's, I'm just thinking about that. So yeah. I, I, I could get exhausted 
thinking about all the things that I need to do, um, and I, I do feel exhausted sometimes, but I mean all the things I need to do to, dem- to show Christ to other people and how I should be engaging in all these different areas of my life, but the main engagement that I need to have is with Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's the other part of the salt and light, right? The the light is not our light. The, yes, the, right? very good. The, I, yes, right? I appreciate that. We're not trying to show people. We're even just like to your point, all this effort, right? Because I, I do think there needs to be effort, but it it's got to come from the right place. Yes. And if we're trying to show people our light or our version of Christ, we we've failed. It's about you know, Paul talks about how we're jars of clay and we're this broken, busted mess. And the idea is that that light in us needs to permeate us first. Yeah. And then that just we're not going to be able to help except that explode out of us. Right. Right. So so we're more of in that situation, a conduit, yeah. um, a, a conduit of grace, if you will. Yeah. So the grace comes to us and it flows from us um, and it multiplies. So grace isn't made to rest upon us and stay with us and nor is it our own grace that goes out it's we want god's grace grace to flow through us yes yeah and so that there is a responsibility on us and i think if i Mm -hmm. if i had to order the responsibilities tell me where you where you disagree but if i had to order the responsibilities it's first we have to have a relationship with christ amen right got to be our personal lord and savior and we we then have to be desperately seeking after ways to engage with other believers in a deeper way, mm-hmm. right? We've got to be having stronger conversations. We've got to be getting to know each other better and then looking for the Christ in each other and yep. then desiring to, to learn and grow in that. Yep. Once we do that, then we got to figure out how, how do we effectively be spirit-led and allow that light to be flowing out of us to the community? Because we, we're not called to be insulated. And um, there, are, there are many, you know, the, the Benedict option, which could be a whole different conversation, but that was probably five years ago, Rod Dreher came out with that and really this idea of being almost separatist, right? That we're going to uh, try to, you know, be more of a, a body, a collective body of believers and, and rely on each other more, almost going back to the early Acts church. And, um there are there's a lot of reasons why I don't like that idea. There's a lot of days where I'm like, I really want that idea. And because it would be far easier if I could just hang out with not just nominal people who say that I'm a Christian, but people who are truly seeking after Christ. And to, to be a seeker of Christ and to be with seekers of Christ is a really fun thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's motivating and engaging. Um go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think that book, yeah, I, I think the value of that book is understanding we need to shore up the church, but we also, to your point, at the same time, we need to be looking outside the walls of the church as well and engaging. So we don't want to engage without a strong foundation. We want a foundation that's strong, and we want engagement and not some sort of isolationist strategy. So yeah, I couldn't and, agree more. And by the way, the order of things that you mentioned, mm-hmm. exactly, I have no disagreement. That's exactly right. And and um, that's honestly part of part of personal opinion has been part of the problem of the church in the last 30 years is that the focus hasn't been on getting deeper as believers the focus has been on we got to grow the church yes and we got to get people in the doors we got to get attendance up we got to get revenue we have to have bigger buildings we and you know there's 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 a lot to be said positively for more resources right Mm -hmm. great sure but if we don't have a good foundation i mean we and we've seen it a lot, right? You're you're just going to see a lot of failures. Yeah, I just see things happening in swings, and maybe we get a little little you know extended here, but in swings. Because before that, you f- you find the separatists, the fundamentalists that just wanted to, sp- well, not just, 
a lot of the emphasis was separation. And then we get into this, no, 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 we got to engage. And we get into the seeker swing, right? And it's with these big pendulum swings. Somewhere in the middle, there's a gospel gospel trueness that we have to all find together. Yeah, the kernel's never changed. Correct. The husk continues to change. All the time. Kernel never changes. And so how do do we stay anchored on the core of the kernel? I I like that. That's good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Adam.